Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we'll be talking about it right here, Monday through Friday, on Locked On Kentucky. This edition of the show is another installment of our Beyond the Bio series. We are going to be hearing from UK linebackers coach John Summerall um, and find out about his coaching journey. And then at the end, I put a little bonus, since I'm recording here on Father's Day, of a some clips from Aaron Calipari, who joined Kyle and I when we guest-hosted KSR last week. So enjoy. Here's John Summerall. How did you get into football? When yeah. was like, what's your first football memory? Uh, my first football memory is as a little kid uh, living in Texarkana, Texas. My brother, who's seven years older than me, um, my dad was the, the coach of their little team. And I was probably um, five, uh, and my brother was 12. And I, I was, I'm in all their pictures as the ball boy, and I was around everything uh, all the time in Texarkana, Texas. So, uh, that that's my first football memory, and I always wanted to be one of the guys and wanted to wanted to be on the team or a part of the team, and so I lived vicariously through my brother uh, to get my football start. And then obviously, you know, you, you go to UK um, high school in, in Kentucky. When did the football as a career kind of come to fruition in your mind? When did you think that was possible? Yeah, you know, um, growing up, I had a ton of really good men that were football coaches in my life. Um, and uh, through high school, I had several um, guys that were pivotal pivotal in my growth and development, as, as not just as a player, but as a human being. Um, and love everything about the game, love the interactions with, you know, the, the, the guys on the team, locker room, just the camaraderie. Um, have always felt passionate about it. And so uh, going through that in high school, I probably really deep down knew I'm going to do something with football the rest of my life. Um, I, I knew I probably was not going to be good enough to play football very long. <laughs> I was I was an overachiever. But um, I, I have always felt like um, I, I've never had to work a day in my life being a, a part of football. It's always fun. And so – um, it's always enjoyable to to be around the game, and so came here. Um, you know, even more so, had more opportunities to be around guys that were good men and good coaches and good people. You know, a lot of them, a lot of them, Kentucky people know with Rich Brooks and Guy Morris and how Mummy recruited me here, and uh, a lot of people that that were impacts on me. Mike Archer, Steve Brown, Randy Sanders, a lot of guys that that were influences on me. So those guys helped. Um, get me started in this i got done playing and had gotten my degree in finance uh you know with potentially having some opportunities to go do some stuff in the business world um but i never even once really thought about it i I got my degree in finance so i could have have a job in some other area if needed but i knew deep down that football is what i was going to do and so you know i had a i I, my career ended in the spring going into my senior year because i had a career ending injury and uh, I was I was changing my helmet for uh, a whistle pretty quick, and Coach Brooks gave me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant um, right out of the gate, and so I did that with Coach Brooks for a couple of years and never looked back. So there was never like I mean, you talk about the finances as a backup. Yeah. Was there like a, a 
maybe like uh you know maybe working in an air conditioning bank wouldn't be too bad hanging out there or any other like career path or was it always just football no there there was never any real career path probably uh other than football i mean i i wanted to I'm, I'm, I wanted to have something to be able to go back to if, it, if football wasn't what, what I really wanted to do. But I've, I've, uh, I've always been passionate about it, enjoyed it, um, and and never really looked back. Just went went full full bore and all in. And um, so you know, maybe early on there were, were a, a moment when you're not making any money coaching, uh, which you know the first part of your career, you're like, golly, I can't. I'm eating ramen noodles every well, night. To get into that in the office, <laughs> get so, that, like, yeah. what is the lowest? Like, how, what are you? Where are you? Where are you at at that point? Is that grad assistant well, days here? Like, <laughs> well, no. I, so I was a graduate assistant here for two years. Yeah. Um, and I, I, every Sunday, Monday night, I was sleeping in my office, probably, and eating ramen noodles and uh, living, living, you know. Uh, probably at the poverty line or close to it and um and just trying to make ends meet and get my get my um my my grasp on coaching and learning the game and being around it from a coaching standpoint and then really i went to the university of san diego and and might have probably taken a pay cut to take my first full-time job because that's a fcs non-scholarship school so they don't it's not exactly a really well-funded um program from resources standpoint and had as much fun and learned about, as much about the game there as anywhere because I, I worked for a guy named Dave Adolph was our defensive coordinator and Dave, um, you know Dave coached linebackers here at, the, at Kentucky in the '60s. He coached Joe Fetterspill and those guys, and then coached Ohio State with Woody Hayes and he was Mar- Marty Schottenheimer's defensive coordinator wow. everywhere in the NFL. Worked for John Gruden. He, John Gruden's book is titled after Dave. Do you love football? You know, and Dave passed away. Um, few years ago but Dave was an honorary captain his last year alive he was honorary captain for Ohio State and Michigan in the Ohio State Michigan game that's his that's the grasp he's got and the people he's touched and so I moved out there and uh I was I was definitely um broke I mean living in San Diego California making uh, I think about twenty thousand dollars a year um living in a living in a not it's not even an apartment it was like a little studio that the same sink you use your hand you wash same sink you, you wash your hands in the bathroom the same sink you did dishes in and there was constant traffic and sirens outside the door so yeah it was it was it it definitely made you identify do you really love what you do and um but at the same time i never really had second thoughts the whole time i was there i knew this is what i'm this is what i'm meant to do it's what i want to do with my life when did uh, you kind of get to the point where you're like, yep, I've not like made it necessarily. Not that you're going to quit growing and quit yeah. trying to go, but like, when did you say, all right, well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a career here. You know, I think I always have felt that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think early on, even as a GA, man, I thought, man, my, I had a big time job. You know, I, and it, it may not have been big time to some people, but um, I, I've always felt like wherever you are, that's the big time, and yeah. whatever your job is, that's a big, the, the big time job, and. Uh, I've always thought the number one job is to be a star in your role um, and understand your role and embrace your role and be the absolute best you can be in your role. And so as a graduate assistant, I thought, man, I've, 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 I've gotten lucky. And then and I'm, in, I'm in a great spot. And then I go to the University of San Diego, and I'm, my first job there, I was coaching the defensive line. And um, I walk into a situation where I had an NFL player. I thought, man, I got a pretty good job. You know, um, Who was that? It was Eric Bakhtiari. His, his little brother uh, was – and, and, and you know, famous now probably for chugging beer with Aaron Rodgers uh, at the basketball yes. <laughs> game. That, that was his little brother. Um, so, 
But so I had Eric right when I got there, and I'm working for Dave Adolph, who's you know he who had coached for forty plus years at that time, and so I was I was lucky to be around some people that I've always felt wherever I am, that's the most yeah. important job in the world, and. Um, now, obviously, Kentucky's very important to me for a lot of reasons, yeah. but but still feel that way now. Wherever you are, that's the most important place. Coming up next, we are going to hear about what John Summerall thought when he started the process about becoming a Kentucky football coach. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about Twillery. I've been telling you about them for a little bit. Go to twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for $25 off your guys' order. Um, but let me tell you about the Twillery shirts and a little bit about their story. Twillery was built on a century-old family manufacturing business. They still make millions of shirts a year for leading brands, and they leverage those contacts and their team's technical know-how to keep costs down while maintaining high standards in quality and craftsmanship. Shirts are a commodity. They make stocking up on... They make stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guaranteed. They got free shipping and free returns. So check them out. Twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for $25 off your orders. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. What was the feeling when you, you kind of start the process of coming back to Kentucky where you played? Like, when did you get the idea like, oh... Uh, they want to they want to talk to me and then you like go through that process yeah it, it all kind of popped up quick you know coach gave me the opportunity call and asked if there was potential interest in um an opening here and uh you know in the back of your mind you always think how special it would be to to have the opportunity to coach and, and impact young men's lives where your life got impacted you know and my life changed here and um i grew and learned so much about uh, myself as a person and the game of football and um and then obviously the the success that coaches had in building this thing the right way and being steady and consistent and and um, I, I love coach Stoops's you know blue collar hard hard nosed work ethic approach and uh have, have from a distance been able to watch and admire what they've done and have have had guys that are friends of mine you know John Schlarman being one of them that John was a GA at Kentucky my first year here as a player so I really have stayed you know somewhat um close to watching the program and keep my eye on the program and when it did present itself um it was one of those things just deep down you never know when you're gonna have the opportunity to come to a place that means this much to you and and so this is a special opportunity well you got any i'm gonna go talk to coach Schlarman. what was he like as a ga <laughs> Do you have, i mean Man. i don't know if you had any interactions no. with him at that point no john has always been a phenomenal football coach great energy um, just really knowledgeable, relatable to the players. Um, he's the kind of guy that, you know, you show up every day and have an opportunity to be around him and work with him and watch him work and the impact he has on the guys that he's around. Um, it, it's, it's, it's contagious. I mean, he's, he's fun to be around. I like, I like everything about getting to see John Schlarman every day. And so he, he was that way. He was When he was a GA, I didn't play with him. Yeah. Um, but I've, as a player, I can only imagine. And I've heard stories about how tough he was and how hardworking he was. And that same uh, those same attributes still are obvious and resonate and ring true, I think, when you watch him coach to this day. What is the, the toughest part about the job 
Um, I mean, I, I like I've thrown some things that uh, from the outside when I think about it, it's, it's probably tough to be so mobile. I mean, you got there's not a ton of career paths where you're not moving yeah. every so often. Yeah, and you know the recruiting, the, the all all those different factors. What what's tough for you? I just think it's the, probably the, uh, a couple things. Is one is making sure you do a good job of uh, making sure your home team of your family understands that that they matter and they're they're the most important team you got. You know your your family, your kids, and your wife, and those things because we do travel for recruiting so much and we are away from our families a decent amount at certain parts of the year and um, and making sure they're involved in all aspects of what we do career wise and. Um, our, you know, my, I think when you choose being a, a coach in any uh, sport, probably in college athletics, um, it's a lifestyle decision and it's a family lifestyle decision. You know, my wife and I were dating. I, I kind of, we were living in San Diego, California. And I gave her the, before I even asked her to marry me, I gave her the, the quiz of, could you live in, you know, Pocatello, Idaho? And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, well, that's where Idaho state is. I may have to coach there one day, you know? And so I went through a bunch of crazy places and named them off to her and, and she said, yeah, I can live there. Yeah, I can live there. Yeah, I can live there. And, I, you know, I told her, all right, maybe this can work out then. And, and so that that's probably the biggest thing, though, is making sure your home team is is your first team. Yeah. And then and then keeping them involved. And my family loves football. I mean, my, my son thinks flag football is the best sport in the world right now, and he's only five. So uh, – but but keeping your family involved. And then just juggling so many different things. The game, it's, it's more than just football. It's – mentoring and developing young men um it's recruiting those young men so you can develop them um it's it's helping them grow in in their life on and off the field um it's keeping relationships with high school coaches and uh just people in general throughout the the profession that can that that you know that have an impact on what you're doing and so it's so many different things now, yeah. and it's really a nonstop. You're, I mean, you're, you may go on vacation, but your phone's never really that far away, and you're always uh, recruiting has really changed. Even since I've, I think this will be my fifteenth year as a coach or fourteenth year, and the recruiting stuff has changed even just in that time. Mm-hmm. You know, since I started coaching in two thousand five, um, the recruiting piece is really a different a different deal. What is the biggest difference from those? <laughs> those times yeah uh, well i think social media has changed a lot um you know their their internet's changed a lot um you know you got a lot of kids that have expectations and attention before they've ever even played a snap of college football which sometimes is unfair to those kids and in a a little bit of way but it comes with the territory um and and just it, it you're constantly on because you because the battle for recruiting and yeah. uh, it never stops and so at the end of the day you know if there are no players there's no need for coaches and so we've got to have players and we've got to have good players and the kind of guys we want to have in the culture of this program and so the recruiting piece it it's it's constant it's the lifeblood of what you do and um, and you've got to always be making sure you're you're keeping your eye on the right guys and keeping in touch with those guys all right I just got two more one's kind of broad and you've touched on a lot of aspects of this but like, what does UK mean to you as a guy who played here and is now coaching here? Yeah, uh, it means the world to me. I mean, you know, I came here as a as a eighteen year old kid that from Alabama that uh, that you know was happy to have the opportunity to play at an SEC school because that meant something to me. You know, the SEC. I grew up believing that there's three conferences in football: there's the AFC, the NFC, and the SEC. You know, everything else didn't matter, um, and so. That stuff to me, my whole life has 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 mattered to me. So an opportunity to play to SEC school um, meant a great deal. 
the University of Kentucky to give me that opportunity um, meant a great deal to me. I'm forever indebted to this university and this place um, and, the, and the people that in Lexington and this surrounding community that took me in. There's still a great, a large number of people that uh, were good to me when I was a student athlete here in regards to whether it be at church or wherever it may be that um, were kind to me and helped me grow. Um, so this this place helped me grow so much as a man, um, and, and it really gave me an opportunity to, to grow as a football person as well. And so it's it, – you know, when I put the UK logo on every day to, to whether I'm at the practice field or recruiting or whatever, I'm pretty fiery and energetic and passionate to begin with. Um, but it probably does turn it up just a notch or two because – um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that mean something to me about this place. And then finally, researching and looking back on your playing days, do you have a reaction yeah, to this? That's, <laughs> a, that's a bad-looking picture, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, that's called I'm lazy and, uh, and, I don't, and I don't like to cut my hair. And, and some days I may not wash my hair. Um, yeah, that, that, I, uh, I, had, I had curly hair um, most of my time through college that was long. And um, and and there's a lot of things that I got called by teammates uh, coming through college. And um, but, no, I I was I was definitely a, a little bit different. I didn't cut my hair very often um, in college. And and then I've changed my ways. I've, I've got a little bit better hygiene now. But back then, I definitely had a mop. There's no doubt. So. <laughs> who's, got the, who's mop is the best right now that you're dealing with a cash, might, I guess. Might be ca- cash is kind of cash has got a similar do in some regards. His might even be closer to a mullet than mine was. Mine was just a mop. So, but yeah, his, his I, I was definitely uh, not real concerned about my appearance. I just kind of showed up and rocked out however <laughs> I wanted to. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks again to John Summerall for spending some time on the podcast. Coming up next, let's hear from Erin Calipari about her father, John Calipari. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What is your favorite sports memory with with John Calipari growing up? Was there a dad dad sports moment as a kid that really stands out for you? There were more than my fair share of dad sports moments. Most of them them were him trying to... uh, teach me how to play basketball, which was like, you know, like you, your kid, your parents are trying to teach you stuff. They're always wrong. And so then he would always, you know, there was always tears at the end. He would be like, your shot's wrong. And I was like, what do you know? And he'd be like, I'm a professional <laughs> basketball coach. And I'd be what like, do you know? well, it doesn't mean you know anything. And so there were lots of, there was lots of that. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, like most of my time, I feel like all of my memories are sports related because most of my time is spent like, you know, all of our travel was sports related. I was talking to Megan last night, and she was like, oh, you should tell him about the time he took us to Italy. So my dad does, which is, is great. So he actually does care about us. He goes on all these trips, and he always comes back with stuff for us. But he thinks that, like, he acts like, he brings it back because he cares. But he acts like he bought it for us, but it's always, like, something that he got from something he did. So he'll be like, hey, I brought you the key to Philadelphia. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like, they just gave that to you or, like, all <laughs> kinds of things like that. But he also, when he takes us on family trips, it was always work-related. And so one time he took me, I think it was definitely me and Megan. And I can't remember if Brad was there or not. If he was, he was, like, really young at the time. And he was doing a basketball clinic in Italy. So we went, and he brought us to, like, some, like, cafeteria or something for something. And he starts talking to someone and forgets we're there and just, like, leaves. Just gone. And so, like, <laughs> Megan, Brad, and I are just, like, lost in Italy 
And, like, he comes back to my mom, and I guess my mom's like, where are the kids? And he's like, what are you talking about? And, like, we were just, like, in Italy, just, like, floating around <laughs> looking for our parents. So, like, so, you know, it's good and bad. <laughs> so, jo- so John left you, left all three this of his guess. children, abandoned you in Italy. I mean, like, we were, like, there were other people there. I mean, none of them spoke English. That was kind of a little bit of a problem, <laughs> and we were children who <laughs> didn't speak Italian. Um, he came back and found us eventually, so that was good. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he does it to Brad. He used to do it to Brad, but he would always do it at the gym, and then somebody would just bring Brad home later. Like, he'd come home, my mom would be like, where's Brad? And he'd be like, oh, guess I left him again. And then, like, 10 minutes later, a manager <laughs> would bring Brad and be like, oh, he left us at the gym. It's Brad. Here you back. So, yeah, we learned to be self-sufficient from an early age. How old was Brad when he would just abandon him at the gym? Is that where Brad got all the, the, the work ethic? Life. Oh, yeah, probably, like, I don't know, like, five to now. <laughs> he leaves them now sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, what what is there, like, any been a, a moment that has been cool that you've got to share with him where maybe, like, some of his accomplishments, I, I think, obviously, like the Hall of Fame and those kind of things and all the big wins, what stands out from those yeah. those memories? Yeah, the Hall of Fame was, the Hall of Fame thing was great because I think that, like, for us, as a family, like we see him as a person and we see what he does for other people. And so I think one of the big things that now that like I manage people is seeing that like you can do well with like prioritizing your, you know, people that work for you above like your own interests. And so I think that for us, like the Hall of Fame thing was a really big deal because all of his players came back, his previous players came back and we kind of got to be there. And it was like a time where it was about, you know, him and his accomplishments, but also the people who got him there. And so I think it was really nice to see, like, the, you know, more human side of him get recognized. Um, and I'm sure people were still mad about it, but it was they were a little quieter for that one day. So that was also a little, you know, a little nice for us to see and spend some time together. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was good. The championship was fun. I was there for that, too. That was a little bit crazier because it was chaos and you're, like, trying not to get, you know, no one cares who we are. So there's always... You know, he's like, come to the back, and you try to come to the back, and everybody's like, you're not allowed in the back, and so we're just like going around the building looking for him. But the, the Hall of Fame was good because we were actually invited to that one. What you joked about when he, when you were a kid, being like, what do you know about basketball, <laughs> basketball oh, yeah. coach dad? So I, I like, I think when you're young, you may, even even though your dad is kind of famous, maybe you don't fully grasp like who he is or what he's accomplished. Was that well, you talking about I the think, Hall? I think- the Hall. Yeah, well, I think that why would you, right? Like your whole, like you have all of your life experiences are built off of your perspective. And so to me, he was just my dad. He's always just been my dad. And so even now I find it really weird the way that people view him as like, you know, he's a person. He like is a really good person. He makes mistakes sometimes. Let's, you know what I mean? I think people don't see him that way. They see him as this like, you know, like public figure and they have all these ideas about who he is. And I just, you know, you don't have that because you live with this person and he's embarrassing and he does all these things. And so I think it's always so funny for me. People were like, Oh, it must be so cool. It's like, well, first of all, you know what teenagers don't want to hear? Oh, your dad's so cool. No, he's embarrassing. Just like your dad is. I don't want to hear how cool he is. And so it's just like, I think it's a very weird kind of perspective because you either have people who think he's really cool or you have people who are like, your dad's a horrible human being and you're sitting here being like, you've never met him before. How could you possibly know he's a bad person? And you see all these things he does for other people and all these things he does for us. And people are like, he's a bad guy because like he got your recruit. Like that's such a, it's just such a disconnect between how people use his public persona to make projections about who he is as an individual. 
Um, yeah, so it was always weird. And I, like, you know, I didn't care about it. Who cares? Like, I, if my dad lost every game, I would love him the same. I would probably get yelled at more on Twitter, but, like, <laughs> it doesn't change my feelings for him. And I think that's something that people don't always realize. You know, they get in arguments with you and think they're going to change your mind. Like, dude, this is my dad. Like, we can argue about his recruiting all day, but, like, it's not going to make me not, like, love him. So why are we having this conversation? I'm not as nice about it as I used to be. So I throw a little shade when people say stuff to me. Make I've noticed. I, I I may have noticed <laughs> that. Uh, I I know you. I know you say you guys aren't like you know, uh, you know, sappy with each other and all that. But uh, what if you were gonna if you were gonna like publicly wish your dad a happy Father's Day? What would you tell him about what he has meant to you? This this is your, um, your chance to to tell the yeah, world. Your John like, yeah, no, happy we don't Father's do that. Day. No, I think I think the thing with my dad is that when I was younger, you know, he was really driven and dedicated to his career and all of his players. And I didn't, I didn't always understand like why he wasn't always there for us. But you know, like now that I'm an adult and I actually have a job where I do similar stuff, it's, you look back and you realize that like he gave us everything that he had, but then also was supporting all of these other people who had so much, you know, less than we did, or maybe they needed help or maybe they needed support or maybe they needed a father figure. And he was that for so many people. And like just seeing his ability to do that and still have time for himself and my mom and us is just like, honestly, I don't know how he did it. Um, and it's nice to see that like there are people who actually care about other people in the world because I think sometimes we, uh, Sometimes I forget that people do that because it seems like, you know, you have all these people who are out for themselves, but he's not. And I think that that has shaped my entire life because he's always supported me, but also it's shown me that, you know, you can do that and still be successful. So it's, he's definitely been an important person in my life. How cool is it to see kind of the reaction uh, with the, the first father-daughter camp that, that he and UK are going to put on this, this season? Oh, I'm so excited about this. I've been yelling at him about this for years. Um, I think one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, I used to go to all the, the father-son camps, and I would just show up and just play in those. But I think it's such an important thing, right? Like, girls and young women like sports as well, and actually sometimes they're even better than the boys. You can ask about me. I would beat them at all these camps. <laughs> but I think it's nice that there's actually, like, a platform now to kind of acknowledge that and actually, like, you know, bring them into the picture. It was always, you know boys and all the girls were always asking if they could participate and so there were some sometimes it's nice to see that I'm, I'm happy that he's actually you know doing that we've heard a lot about the things that cal can't do and that includes all chores apparently uh no handyman work is does oh, no, he no, have no, a no. does yeah. he have a skill does he have any skill outside of the basketball coaching world that we don't know I about? mean like I was in as you said outside okay the basketball coaching world yeah like we go to like he takes us to like uh carnivals and boardwalks and is like does he can do all like the carny games but especially oh. the basketball shooting ones that are like you know they have like the real tiny hoop so it's like almost impossible like that's that that's a skill he does that he makes french toast and milkshakes that's it that's the list it's the <laughs> thanks to john summerall thanks to aaron calipari thanks to you for listening to this edition of the show please rate please review please subscribe all those are super important guys they really really help the most important thing you could do for us, if you would like to, please share this podcast with somebody else who would enjoy it. Please follow us on social media at LockedOnUK on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. We got the group and the page. You can go and join both of those. And then right now, guess what? We started an Instagram page. We on the IG at LockedOnUK. 
So please follow us there as well. You can also follow me. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H, on basically every social media platform. So just check it out there. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. If you don't mind, like, grabbing that and just, yeah. yeah. No, you're good. So, <clears throat> so the, the,